Money FM 89.3, the best of prime time. In the spotlight on Money FM 89.3. Well, the Enterprise Singapore website has an article called Five of Singapore's Oldest Businesses Still Thriving Today. Can you guess what they are? Well, among them, no need to guess, I'll just tell you. Yeah? <laughs> a family-run construction firm, Warhub. I'm pretty sure many of you I've are familiar that with that before, one. Yeah? yeah, It was founded in 1927. And there's yeah. also Freshmart Singapore, founded in 1980. Once a small family business in a shop house along Mohammed Sultan Road, Freshmart, though, is now one of Singapore's leading importers and distributors of fresh produce. Well, these were the few who have survived world wars, financial crises, and disruptions in their respective industries to become part of our everyday lives. But not all were able to withstand the test of times. And to make matters worse, the lack of legacy and succession planning also hurt businesses. So after all that hard work that you put into building a business and a brand, when there is no clear successor to take over the business, it could all come to naught. Our expert today says, though, that there is a solution out there. These businesses can consider mergers and acquisitions. And this could be the next best strategy as they offer significant growth opportunities and great benefits for businesses. But will family business owners really think so? Well, mm. Daniel Lee joins us now. He's senior consultant at Nihon M&A Centre, Singapore. Hi, Daniel. Thanks for joining us on Primetime. Hi, Timothy. Hi, Bharati. Thanks for having me. Well, the thing is, Daniel, a lot of family business owners I know say that they worry about their history and traditions becoming diluted if they were to look outside. What's your stance on this? How can you encourage them to move towards mergers and acquisitions when they have such concerns? Yeah, I would say um, these kind of concerns is pretty common uh, amongst the, the SME talkies, the SME bosses that I spoke to. Um, successorship is always an issue. Um, and of course, uh, when it comes to successorship itself, uh, it's basically an, an, a means to an end. You know, mm. uh, finding a successor is not an end in itself. It's to ensure business continuity. That's what it's supposed to be for. So if we are talking about business uh, continuity, uh, whether you pass on to family members or you pass on to key employees internally or you hire an external uh, expert to come in and be the successor, um, Singapore is at the end due an open market. So it is open to competition from within Singapore and from outside Singapore. So even when an SME is able to find successor to continue the business in the face of this kind of open competition, are they still able to withstand the tides of global competition? I think that is a very important consideration for them. So that's one. The mm-hmm. second thing is actually regarding more from a personal wealth management perspective of the SME owners. Um, a lot of SME owners don't really know um, that a lot of their net worth is actually locked inside the company itself. Uh, usually the company that they founded for 20, 30 years. Um, they don't really feel it in a very tangible way. Um, it's not like Apple stocks, right? If you buy Apple or Google stocks, you see you know, the ticker from second to second, how much is the stock is worth. But for private companies, it's only when an investor comes along, puts an offer on the table, then you know at that moment, what is the market value of your, your company? Mm-hmm. So when most of your net worth is locked in the company, uh, and when your financial performance, say, dip or even stagnate, your valuation could be impacted by quite a lot. And that's actually a significant amount of your net worth. So from a wealth management perspective, there must come a time 
when you must de-risk yourself um, to realize the valuation uh, from the from the sales of the company and diversify. So that's another important perspective when it comes to wealth management too. Daniel, what do you say then to you know people probably in the small of the SME um, range of businesses who would say, hey, we've made our money, we've made our mark, we've sold everything, it's time for us to just take whatever we have and enjoy our lives? Yeah, so um, most of them would actually you know have this kind of perspective. Uh, you know, after they sell their companies, they wish to chase those little white golf balls the rest of their <laughs> life or whatever their motivations may be. Um, but at the end of the day, um, it's not just about selling the company and then enjoying your next phase of life. You also want the company to be handed over to good hands. Mm. So uh, some of the things that, you know, uh, they, they are always talking about. Uh, first thing is, uh, of course, always valuation. That's a very important consideration because it links to so many things. It impacts the structure of the transaction itself. It impacts the post-merger integration itself. Um, the other thing that is also very important is uh, the company, the legacy of the company, the relationship with the customers, the suppliers, and the employees itself. These are all very important considerations for SME owners. I think one particular talking point I frequently hear surface is that a lot of SME owners, they are thinking for themselves, how can they grow the company in pace of the growth of the ambitions of the employees? You know, all the employees who have been with the company since day one, they grew together with the company. But at a certain stage, you know, um, can it fit the ambitions of all the employees? Mm. This is something that a lot of SME owners are actually considering very seriously. Mm. So how then do you ensure that this happens in the way it should happen and that your mission, vision, history and tradition are also not diluted? Yeah, I would say it's about, uh, of course, firstly, finding the right investor to take over. I mean, the, the points that I mentioned regarding, you know, the open competition from within and outside of Singapore. Um, so finding successor is the means to ensure that business continuity. Um, so being part of a larger group helps in terms of the stability uh, of, of the company itself. And very often, uh, the employees of the company would actually appreciate being part of a larger group. Because now they've got more choices in terms of, say, uh, career mobility when they want to switch to a different product line or even have different geographical footprint to consider for their career options. Mm. So these are some of the things that they feel is good. Another thing that I sense that could be uh, quite uh, interesting for our transactions, that most of it that we handle, is that most of our transactions are actually coming from Japan. So they're actually Japanese buyers mm. and then Singapore companies and they're the Singapore sellers. Most Japanese companies, they prefer not to do any drastic changes to the company after it's acquired. Uh, and this fits the bill for most of the SME owners. They are worried, you know, how, mm. like what you mentioned, whether it dilutes the brand identity. Can you maintain the legacy of the company? Are you going to make sure my employees who have been with me since day one can continue to have a good job uh, under a new ownership? Uh, these are the things that the Japanese also tend to um, respect and appreciate um, a lot as well. Yeah. Right. It's about values, isn't it? The thing is, I've spoken to a few family business owners and they say they are actually more open to joint ventures and alliances because these tend to be more cooperative, more negotiated and less risky than acquisitions. What are your thoughts on that? Well, it really depends. I think at the end of the day, whether it's a full acquisition or a joint venture or even just a normal business collaboration with no equity tie-up, 
uh, it really depends on the, the goals you are trying to achieve. Um, but if you are really talking about succession planning, which I think is really the theme of today's conversation, uh, then it has to be about acquisition. If you're talking about joint venture and alliances, um, yes, to a certain extent, it does help. But at the end of the day, um, you are considering when to eventually step away from the company fully. So that's the primary consideration. A joint venture doesn't really help you to do that. And of course, with joint venture itself, you have all those downsides too, right? Before the joint venture happens, you need to discuss what are the things that need to be contributed from both parties if you put it into a new company. And touch wood, if let's say the joint venture dissolves, you need to deconflict a lot of things, the customer base, the IP. It could be a messy affair. So from a succession planning point of view, it's much rather cleaner to embrace acquisition rather than joint ventures. Okay, Daniel, some of the things that we should be focusing on when it comes to succession planning, can you give us some tips? Yeah, I would say um, succession planning, uh, of course, um, I don't have a crystal ball. Uh, you know, I don't know when is the best time to find a successor and all that. Uh, in fact, a lot of my SME uh, clients, they always ask me, you know, when is the best time to find successor? It really depends, preferably from day one. Um, but I would say there are a few trigger points on uh, when is a good time to find successor. Uh, as previously mentioned, Singapore is an open market. You face all this open competition. Usually when in your industry, the top two to three players uh, either get invested or acquired by whether it's strategic investor or financial investors, then you have to start to think for yourself. In five to ten years down the road, how do you, you know, compete against these kind of companies? Because they don't just have financial support, they have strategic support as well. Um, so it's very hard to fight against a company that, that just throws money around. Uh, it's, it's, it's really quite tough. They can throw their investors' money, but when you throw, it's probably your retirement fund. Mm-hmm. It's a whole different consideration altogether. So that is usually the time where you must start to think for yourself, can I, on a standalone basis, really fight against these people who have all this support that comes along? Or maybe I should be part of a larger group to ensure that my business continues to thrive. Yeah. Now, Daniel, dealmakers have said that stronger M&A activity in the Asia-Pacific region is expected this year. And it depends on improving macroeconomic conditions, though. This comes after last year's deals were held at eight-year lows by financing costs, weak equity markets, and let's not forget China's pandemic controls as well. What's your outlook for M&A activity this year? Yeah, I would once again speak from the perspective of uh, Japanese companies interested to acquire companies in Southeast Asia. Um, But I think it would be applicable to anywhere in the world. Um, We do see that the interest from Japan is uh, slightly waning for this year as well. Um, Well, firstly, because of the increasing interest rates, Um, the yen is still greatly depreciated. Um, So straight away, you know, you got a 15 to 20 percent reduction of your budget because you spent in yen, right? Um, So this year likely will be a slower year if we are talking about interest from Japan. But I think long-term-wise, regardless of what the macroeconomic conditions are, we cannot defy the laws of nature. Singapore is a developed economy. Uh, We do have an aging population. Uh, In fact, uh, if I recall correctly, um, slightly less than half of our GDP is contributed by SMEs. Slightly more than half of the jobs is created by SMEs in Singapore. And if we don't solve the successorship issues for them, that means a lot of these SMEs are going to close shop. And that's going to be a huge social issue for Singapore. And that's actually what we saw in Japan. And our population demography is probably half a step behind Japan. So long-term-wise, I would say because of the aging population, 
the demand for M&A services in the SME space will still continue to grow. Yeah. All right, Daniel, thank you very much for sharing those insights with us for those who are thinking about succession. Daniel Lee is a senior consultant at Nihon M&A Center in Singapore. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.